Hi ladies and welcome to the Amazing Bible Dot Book Club. I'm Julie Callio, your host, and thank you so much for taking time out of your busy schedules to tune in with me today. If by chance you want to contact me, you can do that at theab.bc.pc at gmail.com. Today we are taking a look at 2 Chronicles. This is a continuation of 1 Chronicles. Actually, in the Hebrew Bible, they make it just one book, Chronicles. The Hebrew Bible has all the same books as the Christian Old Testament, but they only have three divisions. The first is the Torah, or the Law, and that is the same five books of Moses, Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, and Deuteronomy. Their second section is called Prophets. In that section, there is Joshua, Judges, Samuel, Kings, Isaiah, Jeremiah, Ezekiel, and the Twelve. If you remember in 1st and 2nd Samuel and in 1st and 2nd Kings, we have prophets such as Elijah and Elisha. But they are not mentioned in Chronicles because Elijah and Elisha were prophets to the northern tribes of Israel. And Chronicles mainly focuses on the southern tribe of Judah. This places Chronicles in the Hebrew Bible in the section called the Writings, not the Prophets. In this section is Ruth, Chronicles, Ezra, Nehemiah, Esther, Job, Psalm, Proverbs, Ecclesiastes, Song of Solomon, Lamentations, and Daniel. According to my Old Testament professor, Dr. Betts, the key word for Second Chronicles is the priestly view of Judah. The plus is that when we get to the divisions of the kingdom of Israel, the chronicler just focuses on Judah, so we don't have to hop back and forth from Judah to Israel like we did in 1st and 2nd Kings, so it's less confusing. Dr. Betts also said that the chronicler wrote with a theology of hope. Keep in mind that this writing happens after the exile after Israel and after Judah were taken to Assyria and Babylon. So Jerusalem was captured and the temple was destroyed because Persia then conquered Babylon. The king of Persia allows the Jews to come back to Jerusalem and to help them to rebuild. But it was a difficult task. There were people who did not want them to rebuild the temple, and seeing the devastation of the land was extremely disheartening. This writer is then telling the story of Judah, reminding them that God is faithful to his covenant with King David, and he is hoping to encourage, literally to give courage to the people of Israel as they approach this task of rebuilding. In our era, it's like the war of Ukraine and Russia. If Ukraine wins the battle against Russia, there is still so much rubble and destruction that if they come back to it, it would still be very overwhelming because the, the buildings are destroyed, their homes are demolished, and that's the way it was with the Jews. When they came back, the temple was destroyed, their homes, and their way of life will now be different. Second Chronicles starts with Solomon's reign as king of all Israel, and then we will see the split and then focus on the southern kingdom. 
As a reminder, the first king of Israel was Saul and the second was David. His son Solomon, whose mother was Bathsheba, has now been made king. Today we will look at the first nine chapters of Chronicles at King Solomon's reign. But before we do that, let's sing my childhood song of the books of the Bible in order to help us memorize the order of the books in the Christian Old Testament. Let us sing the books of history, of history, of history. Let us sing the books of history, which tell of the Jews. First Joshua, second Judges, then the story of Ruth, then first and second Samuel, and first and second Kings, then first and second Chronicles, which give us the record, then Ezra, Nehemiah, and Esther the Queen. So, Second Chronicles starts with Solomon seeking the Lord. He goes to Gibeon, where the tabernacle of the congregation is. It also tells us that King David made a tent for the Ark of the Covenant in Jerusalem, but the other items used for worship were still in Gibeon. He offered 1,000 burnt offerings unto the Lord at the bronze altar. And that night, God appeared to Solomon and asked, What is it you want me to give to you? Solomon acknowledged his huge task and asked for wisdom and knowledge so that he could do his job well. God was so pleased that he granted him that as well as riches, wealth, and honor, such as no other king before him and none after him will have. Solomon went back to Jerusalem and reigned over all Israel. He gathered chariots, horsemen, silver and gold, cedar trees, horses from Egypt, linen, yarn, and Solomon was established. He then desired to build the temple. He sent word to his father's friend, Hiram, the king of Tyre, and he asked for a skilled craftsman, as well as more cedar trees and other trees. He would then pay for them with wheat, barley, oil, and wine. Hiram, king of Tyre, wrote back and said, Because the Lord has loved his people and has made you king over them, and then he blessed the Lord God of Israel, this God that made heaven and earth, who gave to David a wise son. Now I have sent you a wise and skilled man whose father was from Tyre, but his mother was from Dan, an Israelite, and his name was Huram Abi. Then Solomon used the non-Jewish strangers in the land to do hard labor for the temple. Solomon began to build the house of the Lord at Jerusalem on Mount Moriah, which is where the Lord appeared to David at the threshing floor of Ornan the Jebusite. That was when the plague hit because David took a census. Mount Moriah was also the place where God had Abraham take Isaac his son to sacrifice. But God provided an offering in the place of the sun. Solomon started building in the fourth year of his reign on the second day of the second month. And that's found in chapter 3 verse 2. Then there is a list of all the things that Solomon had made for the temple. And it amazed me that even the nails were made of solid gold. Verse 9. He had the temple made and then all of the furnishings inside. 
When the work was finished, then Solomon assembled all of the leaders, and then the Levites took up the ark and brought it from the place that David had made for it. And he also then had the tabernacle of the congregation and all of the holy vessels brought to the temple. And the Levites and the priests brought all of them to the temple. Chapter 5, starting with verse 7, we see that the priests brought the ark into the most holy place, and that's also called the Holy of Holies, and they placed it under the wings of the cherubim. And in verse 10, it says that the only thing in the ark were the two tablets which Moses put in it at Horeb when the Lord made a covenant with the children of Israel when they came out of Egypt. So it was the Ten Commandments that were placed in the Ark of the Covenant. The writer tells us that all the priests were sanctified. Then the Levites, who were musicians, are mentioned. They were dressed in white linen and played cymbals and psalteries and harps and trumpets. And in verse 13 it says, And it came to pass, as the trumpeters and singers were as one, to make one sound to be heard in praising and thanking the Lord, when they lifted up their voices with the instruments and music, and they praised the Lord, and they said, For he is good, for his mercy endureth forever. And then the house filled with a cloud, the house of the Lord. And it was so much that the priest couldn't stand to minister, for the glory of the Lord had filled the house of God. Chapter 6, Then Solomon turned and addressed the people of Israel and blessed them. And then he blessed the Lord. One thing he says is that the Lord chose Jerusalem and that God's name might be there and God chose David to be over his people. Solomon then raised up his hands toward heaven and knelt down on his knees before the congregation of Israel and he prayed. And his prayer starts, O Lord God of Israel, there is no God like you in heaven nor on the earth which keeps covenant and shows mercy to your servants that walk before you with all of their hearts. In Solomon's prayer, he mentioned that those who are unfaithful and if the people ever go into exile, which did happen, that if they turn and confess the Lord's name and face Israel, then may God please hear from heaven and forgive the sins of their people Israel and bring them again to this land. Even the stranger who is not of Israel, if they come and pray in your name, then hear them from heaven and answer so that all of the people of the earth may know your name and fear you. Solomon's prayer ends with, O Lord God, turn not away your face from your anointed Remember the mercies of David, your servant. That's verse 42. When Solomon ended his prayer, fire came down from heaven, consumed the burnt offerings and the sacrifices, and God's glory filled the house. The people bowed down their faces to the ground, and they worshiped and praised the Lord, saying, For he is good, for his mercy endures forever. Solomon kept the feast seven days and all Israel with him. On the eighth day, they made a solemn assembly and then Solomon sent them home. 
When all this was done, the Lord appeared to Solomon by night. He said he heard Solomon's prayer. And then we get a very popular verse, Second Chronicles chapter 7, verse 14. If my people, which are called by my name, shall humble themselves and pray, and seek my face, and turn from their wicked ways, then will I hear from heaven, and will forgive their sins, and will heal their land. God then tells Solomon that if he walks in the ways of the Lord, then God will establish his kingdom like David his father. But if not, then God will pluck the people out of this land and this house God will cast out of his sight and it will be a byword among all the nations. And people will ask, why did the Lord allow this to happen? And they will answer, because the people forsook the Lord and worshiped other gods and brought evil on this land. At the end of 20 years, Solomon's land was at the greatest Israel had been. He had married the daughter of Egypt and he made her a house because she should not live in the house of King David because that is holy. Solomon did follow the offerings and the holy days as Moses commanded. He placed the priests to their service and the Levites to their charge in order to praise the Lord and to minister and they fulfilled their duties. In chapter 9, we see that Queen of Sheba visits Solomon because she heard of his wisdom and of the glory of Jerusalem. She asked questions of him and she was amazed. And then in verse 8, the Queen of Sheba said, Blessed be the Lord your God, which delighteth in you and gives you on his throne to be king for the Lord your God, because your God loved Israel to establish them forever. He therefore made you king over them to do judgment and justice. Both of these non-Jewish leaders recognized that God loved Israel and established the king of Solomon over them because of his love. They exchanged gifts and she went to her own land. Chapter 9 then continues with a description of Solomon's wealth again, his throne, his ships, his horses, his chariots, his horsemen, his cities, and his vast land. The chronicler then says that the rest of Solomon's acts are written in the book of Nathan the prophet and in the prophecy of Ahijah the Shilonite and in the visions of Edo the seer. Solomon reigned in Jerusalem over all of Israel for 40 years, and then he died and was buried in the city of David, his father, and Rehoboam, his son, reigned in his place. Now keep in mind, the chronicler does not include the sins of Solomon, but he had some. The writer is trying to give hope to the children of Israel. So let's look at what he does focus on. We see that due to Solomon's greatness, leaders of other nations acknowledge and praise the Lord God of Israel. Plus, they both state that the Lord God loves his people. We also see that worship is extremely important. We see the importance of priests and Levites. We see that music is also extremely important in worship and that there is power in praise and thanksgiving. We see that God is approachable if we do it in the way he explains and if we do it in humility. 
We still see the retribution principle, which we have talked about quite a bit. If you walk in God's ways, he blesses, and if not, we experience his curses. And in that, we also see a covenantal God and a merciful God. None of these kings were perfect. But when, especially David, saw his sin, he humbled himself and repented and turned back. So I want to end today with Second Chronicles 7.14. If my people who are called by my name, who? God's people. If it's conditional, if they humble themselves, if they pray, if they seek God's face, if they turn from their wicked ways, then God will hear from heaven. Then he will forgive their sins. Then he will heal their lands. So ladies, where are you on this list? Could it be that our land is so messed up, not because of the unbelievers, but because of the people called by God's name? And after Jesus Christ came, the name of those people are called Christians. So today, ladies, if you hear his voice, don't harden your hearts. Instead, let us be women who humble ourselves before a living God. Let's be women of prayer. Let's seek God's face. And let's turn from any wickedness. So whatever he's calling you to do, let's do it. Until next time, and thanks so much for listening.